Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm pastor here at LifePoint, located in Plano, Texas, and we meet here every Sunday at 1030, and we are here for your family. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Okay, I don't know that we've asked this question, because um, this is the fourth week we've shown that bumper video. Just honesty. Has anybody tried anything that we saw on that screen? Oh, I see hands. Yes, I love it. Okay, I do believe that in our attempts to do better and to be better, uh, sometimes we do things that, you know, could be better <laughs> in order to help us do that. So as Sean said, we are continuing this week uh, in growth plan, developing a life that matters. And we believe a life of faith matters. And so this uh, series is about faith and how to spiritually grow your faith. Uh, we believe faith is important because uh, in God's word it says faith is, at, or faith is at the center of your relationship with God because it says in God's word without it, without faith, we, we can't please God. It's impossible to please him. So we're going to look at faith. Um, and we, we have a memory verse. So Mark has, our lead pastor Mark, has invited us uh, to memorize a verse. And it's really cool because um, what we're talking about today, in order to grow your faith, in order to grow my faith, the, the step that we're talking about today is exactly what Mark was doing when God gave him this verse. Our memory verse is Exodus 6, 1. And it says, then the Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. So um, if you would like to, uh, I'm gonna ask you to say that out loud with me because it is our memory verse. Uh, so let's just say that aloud together. Then the Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. Exodus 6, 1. I love this verse because uh, we're talking about the very first week. If, if we do what we can do we, uh, and allow God to do what only he can do, that he'll do some miraculous things. And because God gave this verse to our lead pastor, God has already done some miraculous things for our church in the launching of our uh, North Campus here in just a few weeks. But today... Um, I want to ask this question. Um, how, how, do we, how do I do the things I need to do, but I don't want to do? How do I do the things I need to do? I know I need to do these things, but let's just be honest, I might not want to do them. We all come across this. This is not a new problem. Matter of fact, in the Gospels, uh, one of the authors said, I always do the things I'm not supposed to do, and I don't do the things I know I'm supposed to do. Like, this is a struggle, and it has been a struggle for hundreds and hundreds of years. Basically, we're talking about this word, discipline. And discipline is the exchanging, is, is exchanging what I want for what I need. We understand this. Let's, let's just take some examples. Uh, dietary discipline. Okay. <laughs> Somebody laughed. Like, we know this, this is what I want. Today after church, God, just be honest. I want to go somewhere that makes a really greasy hamburger. And, and I don't want just a hamburger. I want a double meat hamburger. And I want it to have bacon and extra bacon. And I want it to have cheese and extra cheese. And whatever kind of fries they have, I want those. But I want like cheese and bacon bits all over those too. That's what I want, right? But what my body needs is probably something 
more healthy, right? We understand that. What about uh, physical discipline? I want to sit on the couch. That's what I want to do. But what I probably need to do is get up and go for a walk or go for a jog, or maybe I want to sleep in and I need to get up and go to the gym, however it works for you. We understand our physical discipline. And what about financial discipline, right? We, we just gave away four one-hour sessions to help with, phys, uh, with, with financial discipline because it's difficult. Because me, I want to go buy some more camo, May, maybe another vest. I counted this morning, I have nine. But obviously I need 10. I mean, that's what I want to do with my money, but I probably would be wise to maybe save that money or invest that money. So we understand financial discipline. So today we're gonna look at a story about Jesus. And, and some of you are like, why Jesus when it comes to spiritual disciplines? He was, he was God and he was man all rolled into one. And I can't explain that, um, but I believe it. I just can't explain it. Um, and so why would we look at him? Because it's not fair. Uh, but the fact of the matter is he was 100% man and he had struggles just like you and I have struggles. But the cool thing about Jesus is there's so many different views of Jesus. Some of you today believe what I just said, that Jesus is the son of God. When he was on earth, he was 100% man and 100% God all rolled into one. We, we believe that. Some believe that and also believe that he's the savior. He's the one that saves us from our sins, saves us into freedom. Some of you don't believe that Jesus was the son of God. Maybe some of you don't know, and that's why you're here today, because you're trying to figure this Jesus thing out. And so that's one of the reasons we're gonna look at Jesus. Um, but cool thing, last week in our life group, uh, the study was looking at the top 100 most influential people in history. And it wasn't like a group of uh, religious people who did this, okay? So let me put that caveat on there. It was Time Magazine. And they had these algorithms, and so they just plugged the algorithms in and spit out 100 names in history. And do you know who was number one? Jesus. Of everyone who's ever walked on this earth, the most influential person in history is Jesus. So he's a pretty good guy to start with. So we're going to look at a story about Jesus. Now, before we get there, I told you that this is a series. Um, it's a five-part series. Today is number four. So five things um, that will grow your spiritual faith. In week one, we talked about personal ministry. Now, it's, it's obvious that personal ministry, when we serve others, it helps them. But we talked about how serving others also helps us, how it grows our faith. Week two, we talked about providential relationships how God puts people in our lives. And sometimes uh, it's, it's a lifelong relationship. Sometimes it's very short, maybe just one instance, one moment that you spend with someone and it changes your life and it helps you grow your faith. And then last week, uh, a pastor brought a very moving ser sermon on pivotal circumstances. And we, we talked about difficult circumstances. Most pivotal circumstances are difficult. Not all of them, but most of them are. Um, but it's not necessarily the circumstance that grows our faith, but our conclusion about God during our pivotal circumstance that grows our faith. And today, we're gonna talk about our personal time with God. All of these are important. All of these are different steps. Um, I know that's only four, and that says five. Next week, you'll get five, okay? Uh, but personal 
um, time with God. So the story we're going to look at is in Mark chapter 1. If you would like to turn there, that's great. Um, I'll get there in just a minute. Let me give you some background. Mark chapter 1 is kind of cool. Um, how many of you, if you miss, let's just say it's football season, you miss a football game and you're going to go back and watch it. How many of you watch the whole game? Raise your hand. A few. How many of you just go watch the highlights? Okay, that's me. I, I don't want to go watch the whole game. I don't care about all the details. I just want the highlights. Mark chapter 1 is kind of sort of that. If you look at it, there's all these headings and Jesus does this and Jesus does this and Jesus, it's just a few verses about each one. And we get down to one where it says Jesus heals uh, someone on the Sabbath. And the Sabbath was kind of sort of like today. It's like a Sunday. So Jesus found himself in the temple, in the synagogue, in the church, and he was preaching. And while he was there, uh, a man came in who had an evil spirit and Jesus cast out the spirit. Now, there's another whole story in that because on the Sabbath, you're not supposed to do those kind of things um, because it's considered work. Uh, but Jesus did it anyway. And after church, uh, Jesus and his friends, some of his followers went to one of his friend's house, Peter. Uh, they went to Peter's house and he found out that Peter's mother-in-law was sick. So Jesus being who he was, healed her. She had a fever, uh, healed her. Now we don't know how long this took. We don't know how far away he was from the sin. We don't know any of those things. But what we do know is once the sun went down, okay, it was evening time after the sun went down, um, that the entire town, it says everyone in the town. Now, I don't know how big the town was, uh, but we know everyone showed up. And even in a small town, if everyone shows up at your house, that's a crowd, right? Can we at least agree on that? There's a lot of people. And one by one, they lined up at the door for Jesus to heal them or cast a spirit out or whatever their needs, he was there to help them. Now, we think that Jesus healing people is like, I don't know, something simple, like you're healed, you're healed, you're healed. Like that's what we think because Jesus is God and so it takes nothing out of him to heal people. But we know that's not true because in Mark 5, we see that Jesus healed someone and it said power left his body. This took energy for Jesus to do what he was doing. And so he had healed someone that morning, he had healed someone, I don't know, after church that afternoon. And then person after person, line after line, after the sun went down, so this is late in the evening, they lined up at the door and he healed one after the other. So Jesus, exhausted, tired, goes to bed. And here's where we pick up. Mark chapter one, verse 35. It says this, it's on page um, 812 in, your, in that Bible if you don't have one with you. It says, very early in the morning, and we're gonna camp on this for just a second because there's some really cool things I wanna show you. While it was still dark, Jesus got up, which means he was, he was down. Um, but what I, I love about Mark, um, he could have said, very early in the morning, Jesus got up and all of us in the room would have completely comprehended what he meant. It was early in the morning, he got up. He could have said, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. And all of us in the room would understand and comprehend that means it was early, it was before daylight. But Mark says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He's trying to drive home the point that this was against the norm, that it was it was something out of the ordinary. He wanted to make sure we understand. Maybe it was because of how exhausted Jesus was, like he was surprised he got up, I don't know. But he wanted to make sure we knew. He got up and this is what he did. He left the house, he went off to a solitary place and he prayed. So in this verse, I think we can learn three things about how to do what we need to do, even when we don't want to. I think Jesus can teach us three things here. Number one, is he was intentional. Jesus was intentional. Now, remember the day and age in which we're speaking. 
There was no electricity. There were no iPhones. There were no alarm clocks. There weren't any of those things that help you and I get up in the morning. None of those things. And yet, very early in the morning, when it was still dark, Jesus woke up. He was very intentional about getting up. Now, I don't know um, if he was anticipating the next day. Normally, I'm sure most of us in here, if we have a really long day and we stay up really late and what we're doing takes a lot of energy, what do we do the next morning? Sleep in. It's okay, you can say it out loud. We sleep in. That's what we do. Matter of fact, every Friday night, the only day that my wife and I get to sleep in, well, we try to sleep in, is Saturday. And so every Friday night before we go to bed, my wife says something like this. Make sure you have no alarms on. Make sure you turn your alarms off because she wants to be able to sleep in. That's not what Jesus did. He had an exhausting day. He was tired and yet he got up early. It could have been anticipation of the next day. I don't know about you, but when the next day is big uh, or I have to get up extra early, sometimes I don't sleep well and I, I pop up early. Let's just, let's just take um, example, Christmas. Those of you that have little kids, do you have to wake them up on Christmas morning? No. Do you know in my house growing up, we had a rule that we could not be in the living room before, living room before 6 a.m. I didn't understand that rule until my brother woke me up at 3 a.m. one day and he was all excited. And once I'm up, I'm like, I'm excited too. I'm anticipating something great. Let's go open some presents. And my mom's like, no, 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 no. Go back to bed. You can't come back in here until six, right? Anticipation. I, I don't know about you, but when, when I have been away traveling, the day I come home, I have never missed, missed a flight. I have never slept in. Not one time. Most of the time, I don't even sleep that well that day. Do you know why? I anticipate going home. I want to go home. So maybe Jesus was anticipating what was going to happen the next day. I don't know. But what I do know is without help, he got up very early in the morning. He was very intentional about getting up. He also was intentional about getting alone. It says he got up and he left the house. Now, again, before electricity, before all the fun stuff that we have, he couldn't take out his iPhone and find a, have a flashlight. So he had to do some stuff. He was intentional about getting away. He was intentional about being alone, spending time alone with God. So he picked a time. Now, understand he had to find a place. He, he didn't have a study that he went to every morning. Jesus was homeless. And so more than likely, he got up and went and found a place. Like he's looking around, hunting around. He's like, ah, this will work right here. So he had a time. He picked a time. He found a place. And then the third thing he did is, is he prayed. It says he got alone and then he prayed. He had a plan. What, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go find this place. I know what time I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to spend some time with my heavenly father. That's what Jesus did. He was very intentional. The second thing I think we can learn from him is he removed distractions. We live in the most distracted of all time that's ever been, uh, of all the things that are around us, the things we have access to, all of that. Um, but Jesus had distractions. And this is why I know he, he did, because of the choices he made. By getting up early, he removed the distractions of the busyness of the day or the tasks of the day. How many times have you been trying to spend time with God and, and things like this pop in your mind? Man, I really need to be getting up and doing that. Or I really need to do this. Or I really need to, I, 
I have things to do. This is counterproductive. I'm sitting here doing nothing. It's counterproductive. I need to. So Jesus removed those by getting up before any of those were happening. When I was working on my master's, I was married and had two little boys. And in order to have time without distraction, I, I got up about 4.45 and from five to seven, I worked, I did my homework because I knew things got really busy in my house at about seven. That's, that's the way it was back then. Just remove distraction. Jesus removed distractions. By getting up early, he removed the tasks. By doing it before daylight, think about this. By doing it before daylight, he removed most of his sight. Some of us are distracted by things we see. Maybe that was Jesus as well. He got up when it was dark. Obviously, he had some kind of light to find the place where he prayed. But by doing it at night, he removed the distraction of sight. So he removed the distraction of busyness or tasks, however you want to say it. He removed sight. And then by being solitary, he removed the distraction of others. And we talked two weeks ago about how relationships are from God. Like they're important. We should be in groups. We should be around people. We should, all of those things. But there is a time and there is a place for everything. And Jesus said, you know what? I need to be alone so I can remove the distractions of other people. Later in the story, we're not gonna read it. His, his disciples found him and they're like, hey, what are you doing? We got things to do. He had to remove the distractions of even his closest friends so he could spend time with God. So he was intentional. He removed distractions and then he focused. Jesus focused. He, he had a plan. His plan was to talk to his heavenly father. It's called prayer. And, and to pray is a two-way street. It's to talk to God and then to hear from God. And so um, I'm just gonna go through something I learned a long time ago because I know this. There are many people in this room that you know how to pray really, really well. And there are many people in this room that don't. And there are many people in this room that have follow, even followed Christ for a long time, but you've never really developed a way to speak to him. And so this is just something I learned a long time ago. So if you're taking notes, you wanna write it down, it will not pop up on the screen. Um, just an acrostic of pray. So, so if you don't know what to say, and sometimes we don't, P stands for praise. How about you just start out praising God? And I, and I know, as sure as I'm standing here, some of you are like, hey, Isaac, that's not gonna work for me today. You don't know where I'm at. You don't know the difficulties I'm having right now. I don't, you're right. But this is what I do know. There is always something to praise God for. Always something. So praise him. P stands for praise. R stands for repent. Repent is something that basically says, I acknowledge that I'm doing something wrong and I'm sorry for it and I don't wanna do it again. Or I acknowledge that I'm not doing something I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm sorry and I'll start doing that. And sometimes we don't know what to repent. We don't know if there's something in our life that even needs attention. But I personally, can't say this for you, but personally, I've never had this prayer unanswered. God, is there something in my life I need to fix? Now, he's never sat down next to me and started talking to me out loud. Y'all might think I'm crazy if he did. I might think you're crazy if you told me he did, but that's okay. He might talk to you audibly. He does not talk to me audibly. But if I ask that question and just do my best to clear my mind, things just start popping up. You said this, you were rude to so-and-so. And I'm like, whoa, 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 time out. Like, 
Like God just gives me stuff way too fast and I have to write it down so I'll make sure I get it right. So, so we repent. We praise God, we repent. And then the A stands for ask. It's okay to ask God for things. Matter of fact, the Bible says we have not because we don't ask. And so it's okay to, to let, let him know what you, what you need. Let him know what you want. Let him know that you want so-and-so to be healed from such and such. Let him know those things. God, please help me. I prayed literally 30 minutes ago. God, please help me deliver what you want me to deliver. Please help me. It's okay to ask. And so ask him. And then the Y stands for yield. And this is the hard part. It goes something like this. God, I really, it, man, I, can you please heal so-and-so of such and such? That is my desire. I'm letting you know my desire. But in the end, I trust you. And if you choose not to heal them, would you help me be okay with that? Would you help me to trust you anyway? It's yielding our ways to his. So that's the, the outflow of prayer. So how do we hear from God? How do we listen to God? Well, there's lots of ways that God, God uses other people, but now we're in a solitary place, so that's not gonna happen, right? Um, God uses music uh, to speak to me. Uh, God uses other people. God speaks to me like when, he, when I ask him something, he brings thoughts to my mind that might not have been there before. But the number one way God speaks to us is through his word. He, he speaks to us through his word. A, a great example of this was just a few weeks ago, our memory verse. Our pastor was having his alone time with God and frustrated that we, we, we weren't moving forward with our North Campus. He's like, God, I don't know what else to do. Would you please help? Like, I, I'm, I'm frustrated. I don't know what to do. And he opens God's word. And he reads Exodus 6.1, and God said, now you will see what I will do. That's how God speaks to us mostly, is through his word. That's how we hear from him, is through his word. So, Jesus was intentional, he removed distractions, and then he focused. And I want, I want to tell you something, that when we do what we need to do, when we do what we need to do instead of what we want to do. I, I want to I make this clear, <laughs> but it's kind of hard. I can't promise you a distinct result. Because you're going to ask things that I don't know anything about. You're going to say things I don't, all of those things. I can't, I, I, I can't promise an actual result. But what I can promise you is something you will never receive. When you do this, when you do this, you never regret it. Think about it. When you eat healthy, you never regret it. When you exercise, you never regret it. When you're wise with your money and invest it and save it, you're ne you never regret it. And when you spend personal time with God, you will never regret it. I will guarantee that part of it. You'll never regret it. So how do I do the things I know to do, but I don't want to do? Let's take a page out of Jesus' playbook. All right, let's be intentional about it. Did you know that every single morning, my wife's alarm goes off at 4.30 a.m. Every single morning, my alarm goes off at 5 a.m. Do you know why? Because what's in front of us is important and we wanna be ready for it. It's important for us to get ready and go to work. It's important for us to do those things. 
Did you know that on Tuesdays at 1.30, I have a meeting every Tuesday at 1.30 and do you know where that is? It's on my calendar. And at 1.20, I get a reminder saying, hey, don't forget in 10 minutes you have a meeting. Do you know why I do that? Because I don't wanna miss the meeting. I want to be there, I wanna be ready, I wanna be prepared and I want, it's important to me. So if spending time with God, our personal time with God is important to us, we're probably gonna see it on a calendar. We're probably gonna have an alarm set. Now, okay, here's my caveat. Jesus got up first thing in the morning. Some of you don't need to do that because you're grumpy in the morning. I have a 22-year-old son I will not speak to till 9 a.m. Not worth it. All I get is grunts. Hey, how's your day? Mm -hmm. He just grunts at me. Never says a word till about nine, then he'll start talking. So that's probably not the best time for him to spend time with God. Hey, I don't care when you spend time with God. Try different times, but be intentional about it. I, first thing in the morning doesn't work for me, I'm gonna try it right before I go to bed. Okay, try it. If it doesn't work, then try another time. But be intentional about it. Put it on a calendar, put it on a schedule, make an alarm on your phone. Second way, remove distractions. This one can be really hard for some people, um, and, and easier for others, okay? We're just all wired different and that's okay. For me, you know, one of the be- my favorite time to spend time with God is on my commute. I-, I have about an hour drive and I love just to turn the radio off and this is what I do. So to remove the distraction of traffic, I, I-, I can't remove it completely. Obviously I'm driving, right? I have to pay attention. But I get in one lane and I just stay there. Go slower than other lanes, okay. Goes faster than the other lanes, even better. I just stay there. Here's my lane. And I just spend time with God. Now, I'm not reading, okay? Because I've learned about myself. I learn better through audible. I I learn audibly. Literally, I speak out loud before I have a conversation with someone. You can ask Shane. He came in my office one day. He goes, who are you talking to? And I said, technically no one. But I'm about to have a difficult conversation and and I do better if I hear it. And so I talk out loud. So I can be driving down the road and talking, just talk out loud. People might think I'm crazy. They might think I'm singing. They might think I'm on the phone. I don't really care what they think. I'm just spending time with God. So just do your best to remove distractions. You can't always remove them all, but do your best to remove the ones that distract you. And then let's, let's focus. I, I put focused prayer um, and that's important. I want, that's, that's Jesus's example. So that's important, but there's, there's several things that we can do to spend time with God. One of my favorite things to do is not necessarily prayer. It's a part of it, but I'm going to say it this way and it sounds weird, but you'll get it. I just sometimes like to just bathe myself in his goodness. It's like, God has been so good to me. Why has he been good to me? And I just start naming things that I'm thankful for. Well, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for this. Man, I, and I just... I just meditate on the goodness of God. But just focus. And, and some of you have a hard time focusing. Totally get that. Some of you have ADD. And some of you have like an old pastor that I used to work with. He said he had ADD. Right? So here's the deal. Know yourself. I know this about me. I don't comprehend well what I read, so it takes me some time. Okay, so reading is not the, so I can't just sit down and read for an hour. I can't do it. 
15 minutes is the most I, I can do. So if you've ever been around me, if you're ever through my office, I can study for 15 minutes. I get up and walk around for about five. And then I can refocus. If, if your attention spans 30 seconds, give him 30 seconds. He'll be happy for it. Do something else and come back later. Just focus on what you can do. And I, I don't know how to be any clearer on this. It's not about checking a box. You'll miss it if you're just checking a box. You're going to go through the motions. Can that be beneficial? Actually, it can. But let's, let's just be intentional and remove distractions and let's be focused and spend some time with someone who loves us more than anybody else. I love spending time with my wife. You know why? She loves me. Jesus loves me more. Let's just, let's just do our best to spend some time because this is what we know. When I spend time with God, it's going to pop up, I promise. There we go. When we spend personal time with God, our faith grows. When we spend personal time with God, our faith grows. Um, back in 2010, Matthews, who is the company that made this bow, made this bow. It's called the Z7. And I was in the market for a new bow. I love to I love archery. I love to hunt. I, I love to, to do this. This is my favorite thing. Um, and Matthews made this bow. It's called their flagship bow that year. Flagship bow is just the, the best of the best bow that a, that a company makes. And so every year, I, I threw a friend of a friend. I, I purchased this bow actually out of Oklahoma. And I got it. And I've been using it ever since. 13 years I've been using this bow. Now, every single year, um, all bow companies, including Matthews, comes out with a new flagship bow. And that bow is faster, or it could be smoother. It could be quieter. It will perform better because of technology. We all understand this. Just like cars from 10 years ago don't do the things cars do today. Because of technology, it has improved. But every year when the bow companies release their new flagships, I have never one time been tempted to get a new bow. Not once. There's better ones out there. But I've never one time been tempted to buy a new one. Do you know why? Confidence. That's it. I am confident. 100% confident. That if I do what I'm supposed to do when I shoot this bow... That if I anchor to a hard wall, that if I anchor correctly, that if I hold steady on the target and don't jerk the trigger when I release, that this bow will put the arrow exactly where I ask it to. Every time. I literally have been at the range and been a little off shooting a little higher, a little left or a little right, whatever. And I've said these things. I've said something like this. Well, I know it's not the bow. It has to be me. I have to be doing something wrong. Do you know why? Because I literally have spent hours upon hours upon hours upon hours with this bow. I know it's an inanimate object. I get all of that. But the time that I have spent with this bow, dragging it all across the state of Texas, up into Colorado, doing all the stuff I love to do, the time that I have spent with this bow has given me the confidence to know that it will perform every single time as long as I do what I'm supposed to do. 
And that is the exact same thing that we're talking about when it comes to our personal time with God. When we spend time with him, personal time with him, over and over and over and over and over again, it creates a confidence in us. Knowing that as long as I do what I'm supposed to do, he will do what he's supposed to do. But it takes time. It takes time spending it with him. And confidence is just another word for faith. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now. Close your eyes. And I just want to ask you a couple of questions as we're dismissed. I don't think you need to ask yourself um, if you're prioritizing your time with God. If you're being intentional by picking a time, picking a place, and focusing. I think you already know that. So if you're not doing that, my prayer is that you would right now get your phone out. And maybe you don't know when you're going to have a quiet time with God. But maybe you should just set an alarm for three o'clock this afternoon and think about it when you get home. Because our personal time with God will grow our faith. Guaranteed. So God, thank you that you are always faithful even when we are not. But God, I pray that you would put on our hearts the importance of time with you. Whatever that time looks like, whether it's study or in your word or music or meditation, whatever it is, God, would, would you put it on our hearts? The importance to spend time with you. God, help us to be intentional. God, if we scan through our, our calendar for this week and there's, no, there's nothing on there about spending time with you, help us to put it on there. We're only gonna do it if we're intentional about it because it's one of those things that just kind of goes aside when we get busy. God, help us to have a plan. Help us to remove distractions because we all have them. And God, at the end of the day, may our faith be something that not only others see, but something that pleases you. Thanks for your love. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. I hope today's message was an encouragement to you. And if you'd like a little more information about our church, just visit us on our website at lifepointplano.org.